0: Yeah, the cross is the reason we're alive. Jesus died on the cross, but he beat it. He beat it, and that's what we celebrate today, to see the cross as empty. Let it remind you of the empty tomb. Jesus won for us life. Isn't it grand and glorious? Isn't it fantastic? There's nothing better than that, nothing at all. There's a debt that he paid for us that we could never repay. And it's a great, great thing that we are celebrating today. So thank you for being here to celebrate that with us. If you're visiting, I'm Pastor Pat Visker. Glad to have you in the house of the Lord today. It's a beautiful day to celebrate Jesus and his life. His life. You know, we heard at the Open uh, from Noah Allen And we've had a hard week. We've had... A number of them as a matter of fact and I talked a little bit about that last Sunday and sometimes we can get down and we can get discouraged but you know God is in it all and the fact that our Savior is alive should encourage us even when we're in that pit when we're when we're feeling uh, low and despite some of the hard things that we went through there were some great things happening I want to share one of them with you and it was at our school We have Parkway Christian School. It's our school here, pre-K to 12th grade, if you don't know that. It's been uh, around since 1973. And we began some time ago to uh, get accredited by a different organization. We've been accredited by NCA. It's a great accreditation uh, group. But it's, I'll just say, not focused on what a Christian school would be doing. So our head of school, Lila Place, began to look for another agency. It was called Christian Schools International. Now, this isn't some rubber stamp institution. This was not something that took weeks of preparation, but years. And the team was out last week. So we were, uh, well, there was just... The school was on, I'll say, last week. I think they had eight people come out to do their visit for two days. And uh, it's a rigorous process, as I said. Took a while. Well, after their visits, they had a meeting, and I just want to say congratulations to Lila Place and to our entire Parkway Christian School because the recommendation was full accreditation so thank you Lila and all the staff Uh, it's it's a big big accomplishment it's a great thing and it's all for Jesus Uh, whether you're in math class or uh, whether you're in gym class Jesus is going to be there in the school so we're grateful for that and thankful to Jesus I've been talking to you about being bold. You all know that. Well, Pastor Julie and I love to meet people, and we have been doing something that we call meet and greet. We have lunch or dinner with various uh, new folks to the church. And last week we met Andrew and Hannah, and Andrew told us he was uh, driving for Lyft and Uber, and he said he's been listening about being bold. And he shared a story with us about driving his car and he had a person in the car who was just having a terrible time. And uh, yeah, the short story is he came to the house, this person had stopped, they came to, he dropped off uh, at, at this person's home and the person just began to pour out troubles, trials, was really on the verge of giving up on life. And you know what he thought? I gotta be bold. And I said, Andrew, I love that. And he said, I just, I have to tell this person, you know, there's hope and there's life and you don't need to be doing this. And even though he said he spent an hour and finally walked around and helped this person out of his car up to the porch, he said, I'm going to be bold. And I said, that's wonderful. And it's what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. It's been our prayer. Those of you who've been here, you know we've been praying this. It's a short prayer from Acts chapter 4. But let's keep praying it. Let's keep it in front of us. Pray it. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Amen. Amen. Let's keep it going because it's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. I I keep hearing these great, great testimonies about being bold. Jesus was bold, wasn't he? Last week we talked about how he was just so focused about going into Jerusalem. He, he was resolute to go to the cross. We've been talking about the way of the cross seven Sundays ago. That uh, began this idea of the way of the cross. And the cross is a powerful image, isn't it? It's an image that reminds us of what Jesus Christ has done for us. In that first message of the series seven weeks ago, I talked about the cross being this image that's brutal, it's barbaric, it's the most heinous method of execution. And how is it that we don't see it that way? And I used a modern-day parallel of another method, if you recall. And just to remind you, I talked about the recent news of the guy in Chicago that was faking uh, you know, a hate crime, and he used a noose. And the Chicago police superintendent said this. He said this in a press conference. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose? to make false accusations. How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile? And that was the point from the police superintendent and the point was, we understand what this symbol means. It means hate and it means bitterness and it means misery. And could that symbol, that symbol of dread and hatred Death Could it ever become something positive and honored and revered? Well, the cross has done that, hasn't it? People wear it as jewelry. We put it on top of buildings. We etch it in uh, artwork. And we are not, uh, we're not ashamed to display it on our walls. The cross has become a positive symbol. This symbol that was hatred and bitterness and pain and agony. And that cross at the time of Jesus in the first century, that's what it was. The people well understood. When Jesus said things like, take up your cross, he wasn't saying, oh, that's something really easy for you to do. They understood what that meant because it was a symbol of hate, and it's become the exact opposite. It's become the opposite, the antithesis of death. The cross has become a symbol of life, and that only happened... By Jesus. It only happened because of Jesus. This way of the cross, the path that he followed to get there, the way of the cross has forever changed that symbol of death to a symbol of life. And the New Testament speaks of that. It gives rise to this new perspective, to this picture that's moved from hate to love. And the writers of the New Testament, the, the writers of the letters, they wrote things like this. Jesus carried our sins on the cross, or he bore our sins on the cross. Jesus saw the joy set before him in winning salvation for all of mankind. So he endured the cross. Wow. Resolutely, he went into Jerusalem. The joy set before him to go to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus made peace with God and reconciles us with God Through the cross. These are the the writings of the apostles and the letters in the New Testament. Jesus carried our sins joyfully. He won our salvation so that we could be reconciled with God. And Jesus did all that by his sacrificial death on the cross. And there was a reason for it. One word, three letters. Sin. That's why Jesus came. Sin Is a crime against god it's a crime that brought death into the world and for that crime of sin there was a need for restitution but what restitution could be paid for bringing death into the world a life a life was required and for many centuries it was the life of an animal a lamb most of the time and that was repeated over and over again and the repetition was necessary Because there was no perfect life. There was no perfect blood. No lamb could do it. No animal could do it. No man or woman could do it. They could never pay the restitution or completely satisfy the the penalty for the crime. They could never perfectly pay for sin because they were sinners. But Jesus, only Jesus, the sinless one, he went to the cross willingly, He did it for us, and he gave his sinless blood as compensation, perfect restitution, complete, paid in full. God says that to all who say, I receive that. I receive that sacrifice of Jesus. I know that I need to turn my life from what I'm doing and live for him, and God says, paid in full, paid in full. For all who received that sacrifice. So the cross wasn't a defeat, it was victory. And over the last number of weeks, we've considered how the cross was the plan since the creation of the world and how the cross symbolized and uh, prophesied what Jesus would do. From the Old Testament, it was pointed to Jesus and the cross. Then in the New Testament, we read that Jesus said it himself. I will be crucified. And last week, our focus was on how he went into the city of Jerusalem, hailed as a king, but aiming for the cross. His focus was on the cross. He wasn't going to be turned to the left or to the right. This is what he was going to do. He was going to do the will of God. The father, the father who said, I love the world so much, I gave my only begotten son. And whoever believes in him should... Not perish but have everlasting life. That was the will of God the Father. And Jesus said, Father, whatever you will. Not my will. Your will be done. I'll stay on plan. I'm going to remain focused and resolute. And Jesus did just that. And then Good Friday, if you were here, we went through Jesus' walk to the cross. The final Images of this way of the cross. We concentrated on nine scenes from Jesus' last hours and his journey to the cross from the garden where he prayed, not my will but thy will be done, to his trials before Caiaphas and Pilate, to his uh, condemnation to go to the cross, to finally he was nailed on the, onto the cross. Then he died and he said, it is finished. And then our final scene was Joseph of Arimathea removing the body from the cross, removing Jesus' body from the cross and laying it in his tomb. Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He had not consented with the council. The council wanted to kill Jesus, but Joseph had not consented or approved of that decision. He was bold. Instead, he went to the foot of the cross in front of all of his peers, boldly. And he took off the body of Jesus and laid it in his own tomb. And now the cross was bare. The cross was empty. But the way of the cross, it continues. The death of Jesus on the cross was going to result in something it was going to result in the power of god being shown like never ever before joseph wrapped jesus body in linen he placed it in the tomb and we read this i want to share with you just the the close of this scene of joseph putting jesus in the tomb it's the 23rd chapter of the gospel of luke and we read this, it's the final two verses, 55 and 56. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the command. There was these devout women who were disciples of Jesus and They followed him. They wanted to preserve his body. They wanted to embalm it. And the embalming technique of the day was to use perfumes, spices. And these women prepared that. But there was a Sabbath day, a day of rest. They had to stop. So they waited for that day to pass. And then the narrative continues at the open of Luke chapter 24. We heard a little bit about this from a different gospel this morning from Matthew's Gospel. Noah read about the women coming to the tomb. This is a different, uh, a different account. Same women coming, different details, different writer. It gives us a little different picture. Luke 24, verses one to eight. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And then those ladies went back rejoicing. And we we heard that this morning. They went back to tell their, their companions, people like John, hey, he is risen in this is the culmination of the way of the cross. Death did not keep Jesus down. Without the cross, there is no resurrection. Jesus defeated death. His tomb was empty, and he had risen from the dead. And his rising from the dead, it was different than, let's say, his friend Lazarus. Jesus had done a great miracle shortly before he was crucified. A little town called Bethany just outside of Jerusalem, just a couple of miles away. His friend Lazarus lived in the town and Lazarus had died. Lazarus was dead for several days. His sisters were all upset. Oh, Jesus, if you'd have been here. And Jesus, you read the account and it seems like he took his time to get there. But Jesus called out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and walked out of that grave. Lazarus had risen from the dead. Is Lazarus the first fruits of the resurrection? No, because Lazarus rose to a mortal body. Lazarus did not rise to an immortal body. See, eventually Lazarus died again. But Jesus' resurrection was different. It was a first. It was unique. Jesus rose to an immortal body, a glorified body, a different body than the body that we have now that's going to die. It was an everlasting body, and it's promised. That we too would share in that resurrection, a reunion of spirit with body and a glorified body, an immortal body. It's a promise that Jesus guaranteed by rising from the dead. He was the first to rise from the grave to an immortal body. The ladies who arrived at the tomb, they're taking this all in. And we can learn something from their experience. As they were walking, there's another detail in Mark's gospel that tells us these women were asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone? And that's a great question. They really didn't have much of a plan about the stone. They just took their their embalming spices and they were on their way. They were going to figure that out once they got to the tomb. But when that stone was gone, their plan was to Take their spices their perfumes do what they needed to do uh, to prepare jesus body to embalm jesus body and when they arrived at the tomb we read stones rolled away well that's pretty good that's kind of nice i don't have to worry about recruiting somebody and uh, getting a, a wedge and a, le- a lever and prying it away stones rolled away but now things kind of take a turn Things start going a little differently than what they planned. They entered the tomb, fully intending on doing this embalming process. And the tomb's empty. And now they were perplexed. They were wondering, what in the world's going on? What happened here? Now two men show up, evidently angels. They're very shiny, they're bright. They're bright as lightning. And they cause these women to fall on their faces. And they ask a question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Great question. Now let's for just a minute put ourselves in the place of these ladies. Put yourself there inside that empty tomb. These guys show up and they ask this question: What what are you doing here? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, what are we thinking? Why do we look for the living among the dead? Well, that's a dumb question. (laughs) That's just a silly question. Makes no sense. We're not looking for the living. Why are you asking such a bizarre question? We are looking for the dead. Don't you see our embalming spices? Hello, shiny men. Do you realize we're in a graveyard? We're in a tomb? We're not looking for the living. So I think we got a question for you. What gives you the this crazy idea that we're looking for the living in a cemetery? See, but these bright guys, these bright shiny guys I think they had already anticipated that would be the the question or what would what would be in the minds of these ladies and without a without missing a beat and perhaps knowing they would be presented with such a response like why are you asking us that these angels continued to speak and they said he is not here he is risen Remember how he told you while he was still with you that he was going to be delivered over to the hands of sinners and he was going to be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. Ah, It all started to come together. Ladies, we were looking for the dead, we should have been looking for the living. 180 degrees they got turned around. They were looking for the dead. They should have been looking for the living. And you know, unfortunately, that's not unusual. People searching, looking for answers, struggling with life. Many are looking for the living among the dead. They are searching for life among death. I have an example for you. I know a man, his name is Salem Murad. He's the family pastor over at Hope Church, the Arabic-speaking church that meets in our auditorium, in our school auditorium every Sunday. Salem was a Muslim. He worked for the government of Saddam Hussein in Iraq. And he was searching. He was searching. His testimony is that he wanted answers smart guy, educated guy great job started searching, he said I read every book every book I could find mathematics, physics, astronomy didn't matter, philosophy I wanted answers for life and he found no answers he found no answers to his life questions year after year dead it was dead no life. There, there was no life in where he was looking. Now, there's nothing wrong with mathematics and philosophy and astronomy and physics and all of it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's great things that can come of it. We can use these things. But they're only temporary. They're only temporary. They're not going to last with us into eternity. We've, we're going off to a place that's beyond anything that we can Imagine we're going to a place that's timeless. I mean, physics requires time. It's in every single equation. He found no life, searching for years through all these books. Then one day he saw a book on his mantle. Dusty book. It'd been sitting there for 17 years. And he picked it up. And he opened this book, and he saw on the top of the page, Matthew. And he was in Matthew chapter 11. And this is what he read. He read, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Solomon's life began to change right in that moment because he had picked up life. He was now searching for life among the living, the living word of God. Like those ladies in the tomb who had turned from the darkness of the tomb and they walked out of the grave into the light Solomon had been searching for the living among the dead and now something had changed. He had come upon the living word of God. He saw the light and through him then his whole household turned to the light of Jesus Christ. And soon they had to make a choice. This man was from Islam. And now he was being asked to renounce his faith in Jesus Christ and come back to Islam. And he had a choice to make. You do that or you better go, because he knew what was going to happen. It was not going to be fun for him or his family. And he left his job, and he left his homeland. They chose to, to stay with what they found, which was life, true life, only found in Jesus Christ. And he came here, he was able to get here, and now his life's devoted to showing other people the light. And the life that he found in Jesus Christ. You know, we can search in all kinds of things. We can search for life in Confucius and Mohammed and Buddha and Krishna. We can chase through New Ageism. We can immerse ourselves in every man made philosophy, and our searching is going to make us weary because there's no life in those things. You will not find life from what's been created only from the creator and his name is Jesus you're searching for the living among the dead you will not rest until you turn to Jesus he is the only one who can give you life because he is the only one who beat death he is risen and the ladies at the tomb they discovered that and they can teach us something more these brilliantly bright men, these shiny guys that were standing there, they said a word to them. Remember? Remember? Remember how he told you? Remember how he told you while he was still with you. He's going to be turned over, he's going to be crucified. But on the third day, he'd be raised again. Remember then. They remembered his words. Jesus, he went through all this pain and and suffering and the agony of the cross. He died for our crime. He died to make restitution for my sin, my crime. He paid my penalty and yours. He proved his power over death in hell and the grave when he left the tomb and he left it empty. And we would do well to remember his words. His words alter the course of eternity. His words turn death to life. The answers to life's questions, they're right here. They are right here in his word. And we should remember. What would the Lord have me to do? And I've been asked that question. I've been asked that question on numerous occasions. And answers are here. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you want to move to uh, such and such an address on Elm Street, in this city, on this particular day of the week, that you're going to find that in here. No, that's not what I mean. But there are situations in life Personal situations, relational, spiritual, and people will come and they'll ask. They'll say, uh, "Where do I? Where do I find the answer? Which way should I go?" And sometimes, when a person asks this question, they're really just looking for, "Ah, you know, I've already made my decision, but is it the right one?" And they want it validated. They want it. A, Approved. They want it endorsed. I'm going the right way, right? And there have been times where the answer's been absolutely yes. Yes, of course. Of course you're going the right way. Yeah, because it lines right up with the living word of God. But sometimes I've had to say, remember? Remember what his word says? Remember what the word of God is telling us? You know, if you make this decision or you continue in it, I cannot agree. I can't agree. You've, you've walked off the pages of Scripture. And, you know, there's been a rare occasions where the response has just been anger. What do you mean? What do you mean you can't agree with my decision? I ask, well, you came in here and you asked, uh, our reply is, your disagreement is with God's word. This is the truth. Remember what it says. The ladies at the tomb, they received a gentle reminder from these angels. They didn't argue. They didn't fight. They didn't say, oh, oh, oh no, somebody stole. We know there's supposed to be a dead guy here. Somebody must have stole him, and we're not leaving till that body comes back. No, they remembered what he said. And I don't know if they were ashamed that they were there in that dark, damp tomb because they had not really taken to heart the word of God, but they didn't argue with it. They turned around, and they went into the light, and they went the right way. There was no argument with it. Yes, you know, they could have beat themselves up and said, oh, what did we do? And we, No, but they just said, okay, I'm humbly going to turn and follow the word of God. Remember, remember. We need to remember what it says. They remembered, they turned, they walked out of the grave into the glorious light. And if you're searching, if you're searching for life's answers, don't be looking for the living among the dead. Look to the cross. Look to the cross of Jesus Christ and see that it's empty. See that it's bare. And let it remind you that the tomb of Jesus is the same way. It is bare, it is empty. The way of the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. It's the reason you're alive because He lives. And if we have that life, and I'm not talking about this physical life, I'm alive for eternity because my destination's been set because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is the life we're talking about. Jesus is arisen, He's alive. Seek life, eternal life. And when you've found it, When you have found it, stay in the light. Stay in the path that is illuminated by his word. Remember it. You know, sometimes we're going to veer off on a dark way. From time to time, that's happened. It's happened to me. It happens to all of us. But when we're in that dark spot, like those ladies in the tomb, where we haven't remembered what the word of God says, take time to call it back to our remembrance. And remember, he's alive. Remember how he told you, come unto me. Come unto me and I'll give you rest for your souls. Come out of the darkness into his glorious day. Let's stand to our feet and let's sing that out as we leave his house today. Let's sing out with gusto out of the darkness into his glorious day. Space. Oh my- time when you needed rescue? Let's sing about this together. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you Love that carol, Andrea, you're running. Yes, run, run from the darkness, run out of that grave. You know, because Jesus has got eternal life for you. He does, he does. And if if you've been searching, if you've been off into the philosophies of man, eternal life is waiting for you in the cross of Christ. He won it for you, he's risen to everlasting life. We believe it, we believe it, that one day we are going to share in that same glorified body. Be forever with him in a place of timelessness. It's going to be amazing. If you've never received it, I just invite you to do that today as we close in prayer. If you wanna talk to anyone afterwards, I'm gonna make my way out into the foyer there'll be others out there you can stop at one of our visitor areas and just say hey connect me with someone and we'll do that because we want everyone to be in his glorious day let's pray father thank you thank you thank you for the risen lord and father help us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day of our life, to walk in it, to walk in the light, to remember his words, to remember his words. I'll be raised again. and That we can be at rest in our souls, not weary, searching for the living among the dead. We found life in Jesus. God, thank you for that. And if there's any in this room who maybe they've never really said, I need that. And I've heard what you said about the crime of sin and the restitution that needs to be paid. And I get it, Jesus took care of it. And I wanna turn from that, repent from that, turn to him, God, I just pray, any heart in this room that's, that's feeling that, that's desiring to be renewed and have a a glorious new life. God, meet them right now. Hear their heart. Hear their prayer. God, administer unto them. And Father, we pray for all of us that we would be able to stay in you. If we do veer off, keep the light of the word, the living word in front of us to direct us. Bring us back to worship you. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your church. Continue to inspire us and to use us boldly for your kingdom. Bless your people as they go. Bless them, keep them, watch over them, set your holy angels in charge over them to keep them in all their ways. God, we ask this grace, we ask this mercy in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.